women's rights. Let's talk about women's wrongs. Oh boy, <laughs> this is going to be good audio, I tell you what. It's going to be great audio tonight, man. Let me get my cough drop in. <laughs> I am feeling better, though. Hey, I heard from Luke. Yeah. And then and then I asked him when he was coming back. He hasn't even seen that message. I tried to call him, and he sent me a message at 2.56 a.m. that said, what's up, Scott? And I laughed. I said, what is the date you're returning to R&R? He hasn't responded, but he was active 22 minutes ago. Yeah, he's probably not coming back, Scott. It's okay. Jerk. Luke, if you're listening, we hate you. I don't hate him. Because now that he's gone, I'm officially the most handsome member of this podcast. I was just the voice, but now I'm the voice and the looks. And the looks. <laughs> and you're Tell still... You what, man, that's not, that's not saying much. And you're still Scott. Welcome right. back to Rotten or Righteous. Yep. Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous. The only show that's like a half-drank cup of coffee that you forgot about and left on your desk overnight. You could drink it. It wouldn't kill you, but you're not going to enjoy it. But it's drawn gnats, and there's ants circling the cup. Why? Where do you... What? You need to call an exterminator immediately. (laughs) With me today, you know him as Scott Judge, but he also goes by the name Wuhan Will. It's Scott Judge. Wuhan Will. That's awesome. For the third time in my life, I've had COVID. Yeah, and it's only been around for two years. So that is impressive. Wuhan Will. I've been called worse things. Yeah, I've I've called you worse things. Um, It's true, you have. And me. (laughs) Won't go there, though. And me, I've only had COVID once. I'm Zach Geiler. Scott. I always say, ask you questions because I always see pictures of you on Facebook where you're taking a selfie by yourself and you're like, at the local basketball game or went to go see a play tonight that the, the high school's putting on, you know. <laughs> okay. You're always posting things like that. And I'm like, why are you going to these things? <laughs> and you go, well, I want to become a staple in my community. I want to be that creepy guy that just shows up at all the high school events. Do you have a student playing? No, but I'm here. I paid my five dollars. Put the show on. Um, no, we we go visit our members of the congregation. Why? But I like where you're going with this. I need to be more like you and just avoid people. Exactly. I don't get COVID forty-seven times because I don't. I don't do anything. You did go to a, an Easter egg hunt the other day. That's true, and I'm feeling a little a little under the weather now. You got a little meh? Yeah, I got a little meh. But that could also be because I share a queen-size bed with two little boys that are my children and my wife. It's not just being like strange boys. But 
Thanks for clarifying that, big guy. Well, I don't want to Neverland. I don't want to put a Neverland image in people's minds. You know, I'm not a hee hee and Jamona. Hee hee. But uh, yeah, I- I'm sure that they're just walking petri dishes as well. Yeah. But we're back. Yeah, <laughs> we're back in the saddle, as they say. We took a week off. You did at home probably didn't notice that, but we did. And now, instead of having a month's worth of episodes, which is what we had at the beginning of this year, we're now down to one episode. One episode. So we're still ahead. Right. This week, we watched Season 3, Episode 4 of The Chosen, titled Clean, Part 1. Hey, Scott. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Zach. Have you ever watched The Chosen and thought to yourself, you know, this show's pretty good, but there are just too few references to sewage and menstrual cycles? I did. Matter of fact, I was thinking that just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Why have we not heard more about this? Yeah, sewage and menstrual cycles. Because you've heard the saying, if a Jew poops in the street... How many menstrual cycles does it take to get the wash clean? You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> seriously. Look at this. I have stumped you. I've like, I've like thrown you off kilter, off focus. Listen, I'm already uncomfortable talking about menstrual cycles, okay? Yeah. All right? It's not like I'm common, you know, commonly talking about it with my Aunt Flo or something. Uh-huh. Aunt you know, Rita? it's not... It's not the time of the month for me to be talking about this. Period. Yeah, it's just, you know, I'm going to be a little spotty when we're discussing yes. this because it makes me uncomfortable. A little, yes, yes. Going to be a little irritable to But this. I tell you what, though, we are going to talk about I'm going to tamp on this, this topic. Is that right? <laughs> yep, I'm going to do <laughs> <laughs> I see we're just going to have to wing this tonight, aren't we? Right, right, right. I mean, there's no smooth light applicator to this show. You have to. You just have to. Just get in there and absorb as much information as you possibly can. Mm Mm-hmm. At some point in time during the show, we'll have to take time for me to tell a story about how I had to go get some pads at walmart and was so embarrassed i just decided to tell the checkout person at the counter that i was making a george washington wig and wondered how they would hold up in the rain i i don't understand why men are so embarrassed to go get feminine hygiene products for the people that they love are you no why i'm married to a a good-looking girl Nah, I'm a man. I have a wife. I've got kids. If my wife needs some tampons, I'm going to go out there and get them. What, I'm a man. What I'm married. I, I buy I, tampons. What do I have to be embarrassed about? I don't know. That and the fact that I grew up with four sisters probably kind of... Well, yeah. You know, I've I've been... Man. I've been... Which I've often said says a whole lot about who you are. You've been exposed to this your whole life. Right. Episode 4 of The Chosen Season 3 begins like all good episodes of The Chosen. 
with a black and white montage of the apostles healing people with no audible speaking over what sounds like a toddler tapping a couple of butter knives against stemware. Wasn't the best start in chosen history. I just said it started like all good episodes, Scott. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yep, the apostles are on their mission work that Jesus sent them out on two episodes ago. Remember that? I didn't. Mm-hmm. They're just dumping oil on the blind and preaching until grumpy white men show up and give disapproving looks. And at the, the same time, we see Peter confronting a man that looks like the bad guy from the Temple of Doom who's currently cutting the head out of a or the heart out of a dead crow for some reason. Ooh, yeah. And although we can't hear it, we can imagine Peter saying something to the people watching the man from Temple of the Doom cutting the heart out of a dead crow, saying something like, Hey guys, you want to hear about a religion that that doesn't involve a bearded man wearing a ram skull as a hat performing live avian dissections? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. We see demons cast out and lepers heal and just lots of handicapped folks being drizzled with olive oil like they're a light spring salad. We also hear the Lord's Prayer recited for at least the 30th time in this show as all six groups of apostles are seen teaching folks Jesus' example of prayer. And I'm pretty sure that we witnessed James and little James raise a woman from the dead, which is kind of problematic, biblically speaking. Um, maybe she was just really sick, but this woman was just, like, lying lifelessly, has a little olive oil drizzled on her head, and then just comes to life. Just like a nice mm-hmm. caprese. And you need to think of it in these terms. She was mostly dead. Right. Right. She wasn't completely dead. Judas does a sweet karate chop and a woman stops being possessed. That was kind of cool that they had to do the olive drizzles and karate chops in order to defeat Mm -hmm. demons. Uh, People are giving hugs to the apostles and at least Andrew and Philip are forcibly removed from wherever they're preaching at. And Simon and Matthew seem to become friends. And here comes the theme song. And I tell you what, this time I'm thankful for it because this... Mm. Opening montage was an exhausting nine minutes. Yes. You didn't so like there it? there you have. There you have. Quick synopsis of episode four. We'll see y'all next week, folks. You didn't like that opening? I mean, it, it, was, it was all right. I, have, I would have had interest in them developing that a little more. I mean, obviously, it would have been, um, you know, they would have had to take liberties within within script and what they were doing because there's no biblical accounts, but I think it would have been a, I think it would have been fun to take a look at that. I don't know. I didn't like the whole black and white thing. And I'm sure there was a, an effect they were looking there with that or looking for with that. What I think um, they did was I just they didn't get, it. I think Jenkins watched what did Jack do and was like, I want to yes. do that in the chosen. And yes. we all know that you don't like black and white things unless there is a swearing monkey in it. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? It just dawned on me, Zach. I I think I now love the opening nine minutes. You know why? Hmm. Peter found Peter found feathers. Right, right. <laughs> After the opening credits, color has returned to Palestine, and so Woo-hoo! have the apostles. And so have the apostles returned to Capernaum, where they are currently attending synagogue service. The synagogue service is interrupted when Rabbi Yusuf hears some fooling or some people fooling around with the well outside. And Yusuf goes to investigate. And wouldn't you know that that well is just stuffed with sewage? But there's good news. 
Quintus says Rome is going to fix that, that dirty well. But the bad news is, the parts needed to fix it are weeks away from arriving. And if, the whole thing stinks. And if Yusuf wants the well outside the synagogue to be less brimming with BMs, and in a more timely manner, the synagogue's going to have to come up with the parts themselves. So Yusuf goes to his secretary, Jairus, for parchment and a courier to head to Jerusalem to requisition parts to repair the well. And Jairus is concerned because they don't have the budget to cover the cost of materials. But Yusuf, who at this point I am pretty sure is a member of the Jewish mafia because his family owns a quote-unquote stone quarry and deals mm-hmm. in construction supplies, tells yeah. the secretary, eh, don't worry about it. I'm going to pay for it yeah. myself, out of pocket. I, eh, I know I a guy. covered. And as it just so happens, when Yusuf came to Jairus, Jairus was about to leave to go and find Yusuf. Not to fix the poo-polluted well, but because Rabbi Shmuel, remember him? Me neither. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a really bad one. He's an evil bad one down in Jerusalem. He wants a detailed report of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But before he can send the report, it needs to be read and signed off by you, or Yusuf's boss in Capernaum. Now, Yusuf's already written about the Sermon on the Mount, but in it he expresses that he may have some developing faith in Jesus. Jairus advises the rabbi not to submit that report. You see, Jairus had read Yusuf's letter. And Yusuf, when he heard this, like, you read it? And then I was like, Yusuf, did you forget that you basically handed him the letter unsealed and was like, hey, you should probably read this? What a dumb thing to be, be offended by. Hey, Scott, here's an open envelope. Whatever you do, don't read it. Don't read it. And the whole time I'm nodding my head and mouthing the words, read it. <laughs> Yusuf read Jairus' report. And he also, the secretary, uh, 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 Jairus, is starting to have a little faith show up too. Matter of fact, don't tell nobody this, but Jairus is starting to think that Jesus might be the prophesied Messiah. Uh oh. Now Yusuf is concerned because if his report hints that Jesus is the Messiah, it's going to have ramifications for his career. So Jairus suggests writing a version with a little, little scant on the details. Keep the details uh, to a minimum in order to keep the Sanhedrin in the dark for as long as possible. That's the end of that scene. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, I should say something about this. You know what I got? I got nothing. They should have known he was the Messiah. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you suppose there was a lot more that... We we understand the whole concept. Jesus has to die if he's going to die for the forgiveness of sins. People truly can't understand completely who he is. But do you ever wonder if there were more of the Pharisees and Sadducees that had the inkling that, oh boy, he is the Messiah, kind of what Jenkins is revealing in this, where we see with uh, Jairus here, and then also with uh, uh, Nicodemus. Do you you suppose that is accurate too? Um, Some of the thoughts, and that's simply guesswork on our part. Yeah, I do. You think Joel Osteen believes that, or at one point in his life, believed that there was a God? I think that I at, one, he did. at one point, but then someone's like, hey, Joel, 
you know, if you just smile and uh, tell people what they want to hear, we'll give you a bajillion dollars. And he thought for a second, on one hand, I have God. And on the other hand, I have a bajillion dollars. Sorry, God. Give me that money. Give me the bajillion. I'm sure there were a lot of people who thought that Jesus might be the Messiah, but chose their careers, chose their livelihoods, chose whatever over choosing Jesus. In the next scene, Eden is putting clean sheets on the floor of her home for some reason when Peter sneaks into her house. And then Peter says, boogity, boogity, boogity. Yeah, basically scares the, the living crap out of her. And Eden turns around. He's about to, she's about to deck him. Just punch him right in the face for being an intruder. But then she notices that it's her husband, so she definitely punches him. I'm just kidding. They hug. (laughs) And Eden wants to know if Peter notices anything different Different. about the house. And you know what? He doesn't. And to be fair, Peter, she did the stupidest things. I wouldn't have noticed either. She moved the (laughs) table, and she opened the curtains, and she, she hung a blanket on the wall. You know, yep. and Peter's like, that's, that's great, honey. Um, let me, let me take a nap and then you and I can, you know, do a little more Bible study. <laughs> but as Peter goes to the bedroom for a nap, Peter does mention that all the apostles are going to just stop by and eat tomorrow. If that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Bad move, Peter. Yeah, but bad, bad move. You've done that. I've done that. Every husband in the history of the world has invited someone over to their house without thinking. (laughs) We've all paid the price for it. And Eden is just not happy for a couple of reasons. First, I'm not going to blame Peter for. First, Eden's mad because Peter wants to take a nap. She's angry. Mm. I guess because she's a woman and Peter is tired. Wow. Angry because she's a woman. That's something. No, just like we're stupid and we'll invite people over to our homes without checking with our wives first. Mm -hmm. uh, There's something wired in women that if you're like tired and they're not, and you're just like, I want to go lie down for a bit. You don't take a nap. Yeah, but if they're tired, they can just fall asleep whenever they want. I just got back from a long mission trip, Eden. Please, let me take a nap. No. No. You didn't notice that I hung an afghan up on the wall. And I've got work for you to do. This trash isn't going to take itself out. I've been gone for three months. Why is that trash? Why is that all the trash? For three months. <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse Scott. me. I'll, I'll try to be less uh, funny. That's good. <laughs> Appreciate that. Now, the other thing that she's upset about, I get, because suddenly she has to cook food for a bunch of people last minute. And in order to do that, she has to go fetch water. Totally. Mm-hmm. I'm totally on board with Eden being mad about that. Let Peter take a nap, Eden. Please. It's okay. Go stomp some grapes or something. You can find something to keep your busy or keep yourself busy for a couple hours. Wives that are listening to the show, let your husband take a nap every once in a while. He's a sleepy boy. Matter of fact, do you want to make your husband's day? 
you don't have to do anything uncomfortable, nothing. All you got to do is look at them dead in the eyes and go, why don't you go lay down for a bit? <laughs> That's it. You can watch true crime on Netflix. Do whatever you want. Do a Sudoku. I don't care. But at this point in my 32 years on this earth, if my wife looked at me in the eyes and said, I'll watch the kids for a couple hours. Why don't you go take a nap? I'd probably weep. I would love I'm her to try to get in touch with her in that moment. See if she can't any other moment you. in the world on the way to get water. Eden comes across a woman who wants to do her laundry, but Eden wants to do her own laundry. Thank you very much. But Eden does invite the woman who is a foreigner from accessory Philippi to come and fetch water from the well outside of the town, a well that is less excrement excessive. And the woman tells Eden <laughs> that they don't need to go I to that. I caught that, by the way. Oh, Less excrement excessive. Right. I wore my th- thesaurus out on this one. And the, uh, the woman tells Eden that they don't need to go to that well. Because there's a long line there. It's going to take hours to fetch. Instead, the stranger from out of town tells Peter's wife, who presumably has lived in... Capernaum her entire life that she knows of a secret spring north of town that Eden's never heard of before. Mm -hmm. I saw murder in her eyes, Zach. I thought this was going to take an ugly, ugly turn. Well, there was definitely a lot of blood. There was. But we'll get to that after this scene. Secretary Jairus comes home to fetch a scroll, just in time for his daughter to collapse with a debilitating stomach pain. Don't you hate that? When you just want to run home, grab something, and your kid just keels over. It's it's the worst, isn't it? (laughs) Every time. Poor Jairus. All he wants to do is get back to the temple. Right, I just want to get a cup of coffee, and then I'll be on my way. And then, oh, great, the kids, the kid is is having but a no, bust appendix. No, you've got to come up with a life threatening oh, illness. Great. So Jairus gets his his little girl to bed, and then runs to the doctor. Back with Eden at the secret what or at the secret spring, we learn that the laundry woman's name is Veronica, which doesn't. I'll be honest, that doesn't sound like a very Bible name. Mm. You could have gone with... You haven't had a Gomer in this show yet. Gomer? Orpa? You have all these beautiful names to choose from. (laughs) (laughs) And Eden takes the opportunity at this spring with Veronica to explain some of her stresses that she's dealing with with her husband, Peter. Eden then asks about Veronica's husband. And Veronica says that she is unmarried. And then Veronica proceeds to wash some bloody sheets. And mm-hmm. no, for our English listeners, I'm not just mad at these sheets. They have blood on them. You know why Veronica's not married? She's anti-nap. No man would marry her. Right. And that's not true, because every man has married a woman that's anti-nap. Next scene. Zebedee stops by Matthew's old house so Mary Mags can sample his new batch of olive oil. Now, at this point, I have to talk about another woman. If you haven't been watching the show, there's been this other woman that I haven't talked about because, honestly, I don't care about her or why she's there. Uh, Her name's Tamar. 
And her only character trait is that she's an African princess who lowered the paralytic from the roof and has been following Jesus, and she just cares about money and riches and stuff, and that's her whole deal. And I just, I, I thought that I could get through this summary, uh, or this entire show without mentioning Tamar, but darn it, Jenkins, darn it, you made me have to talk about her. He's twisting your arm. Mary or Tamar takes some of this oil from Zebedee and tastes it, and she's like, this is nasty. It tastes like mold. And then she hands it to Mary so she could taste it. You would think they were rednecks. Well, I had a problem with that because even rednecks, you know, if I've ever sampled some milk out of the fridge and found it's gone sour, I don't go get a second opinion. Oh, true redneck does. No, that's rude. If I Listen, if I make my wife drink rotten milk, I will never get a nap. That's true. But two two good old redneck boys, absolutely. They'll both have to taste. So this oil is not good. But when they pour out some of the oil, it's clean. There's no mold in it. It turns out Zebedee's been using cheap olives and leases his press, which really confuses me because... Two episodes ago, he made the best olive oil you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Presumably the same way, but now that's bad, because the story needs it to be bad. Tamar then suggests that they sell an expensive piece of fabric that had been given to Jesus' ministry for money, and use that money to invest in Zeb's olive oil business so that he can buy better olives and a cleaner press, and she asks Zeb to arrange a meeting between them and the owner of the olive grove where Zeb buys his nasty cheap olives. And Mary Mags is not very enthusiastic about the idea of using Jesus' ministry money to invest in oil. But Tamar is like, I think we should do this, and then we give Jesus the profits. Which is, you know what, it's it's important that they get the story in because later in the Gospel of Opinions, chapter 3, you see Mm -hmm. the founding of Jesus of Nazareth, Maccabean, mm -mm, it's good olive oil company, and that's still around today. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, around since 30 AD. They have a spicy olive oil that they just introduced called the Abomination of Desolation, and it will mess you up. Mm Mm-hmm. But even though Mary Mags is not enthusiastic, she doesn't say no. So she, Tamar, and Zebedee run off to find Judas to get his permission to use the piece of cloth to invest in the olive oil. I don't know. This whole olive oil side story is confusing and dumb. Anyways, they're going to go do something with olive oil. Next scene. The apostles are gathered at Peter's home, swapping stories about their individual ministries. But Big John is not happy. He is afraid that the signs and their preaching will only endanger the ministry. Plus, he doesn't like the fact that he doesn't understand the things he was saying through inspiration. And James also wants to know why Jesus sent them out before they knew more. And the apostles start arguing. But then Judas steps up and is like, Hey, everybody, why don't you all shut up for a minute? I'm Judas, best apostle, just so you know. Just <laughs> pretty sure. Just that, a heads uh, up. Pretty sure I'm going to go down in history as Apostle Number One. He's like he's like Rudolph. He's going to go down in history, right? And that's something you can hang your Judas on. Um. (laughs) 
instead of hanging your hat. <laughs> stupid, stupid show. <laughs> stupid podcast. <laughs> it's it's all stupid. So just like, hey guys, why don't we just ask Jesus? The apostles are like, oh yeah, we could do that. What an idea! Finally, Eden... Oh no, I'm sorry. Judas steps up and says, hey guys, why don't y'all shut up for a minute, please? Because you're all just being dumb. And then Eden, who's given Peter the silent treatment and is clearly upset about things that Peter did, like his nap of all things, tells them all to just be quiet and ask Jesus their questions instead of fighting about it. And everybody's like, oh, Eden. Somebody's time of the month. Isn't she pregnant? Is she pregnant now? I don't think she's pregnant. Not yet. Okay. So glad to see that you're following your old. Your old no, 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 I haven't no, watched no, ahead. No, no, I'm just. Oh no, 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 you haven't watched ahead, but you watched a foot. No, I, I didn't do either. Actually, <laughs> I usually admit to it when I've done it, and I haven't. It. Next scene, Zebedee is selling his fishing boat, so he can fully go into the uh, anointing olive oil business. Which is going to make it awfully hard for when the apostles to come back to do a little fishing while they're waiting on Jesus when half of their boat supply has been sold. But that's okay. That's right. We'll figure that out when we get to it, Jenkins. I know you haven't raised the $45 million you need yet. So now you're selling off the boats. Right. Why why do they need the the fancy piece of cloth if Zebedee's just going to start selling off his boat? Exactly. It doesn't matter. Next scene. Eden meets Veronica at the secret spring with a load of the Apostles' laundry. <laughs> Poor Eden. <laughs> why, she's got everybody's. Why is it Mary Magdalene doing this? It's a good question. Jenkins has kind of shut her up in Matthew's house. And, I know. Uh, it's been the best she's season. She's like she's in time out. It's been the best season ever. We've only had Mary Magdalene show up for like five minutes in total this entire season. So anyways, Eden meets Veronica to do some laundry. Eden asks for why Veronica's in Capernaum. And Veronica says, well, duh, you big dummy. It's Jesus. I'm here for him like everybody else. And Eden's like, oh, great. That guy. <laughs> a lot of people are, are... A lot of people in this episode are kind of fed up with Jesus at this point. <laughs> it's just... There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of irritability in this episode. There's a lot of angst. A lot of crankiness. I don't like the fact that the most irritable episode is also the one that deals with uh, with periods. Yeah, I, I think I think it was done that way. I mean, we, get, I just, we, get, we got irritable watching it. I feel like everybody would just calm down, get together, yeah. back at Matthew's pad, and just kind of talk it out, all of this... Anger would just discharge from the yeah. From and the truly, group. that's that's what women need to hear. Just calm down. Seriously, just calm down. You're you're acting crazy. Yeah, calm down. Seriously, just you're calm acting, down. You're acting like your mother. Please, just calm down. Calm down. I wish you'd just be more down. like. I wish you'd be more like my mother. Yeah, all these things yeah. work wonders on wives. Yeah, just calm down, comparing them to their mothers or your mother. Eden's like, oh, great, that Jesus guy. But she quickly changes the subject to Veronica's bloody sheets and her limp. And I'll be honest with you, Veronica has more of a limp than the apostle who's supposed to have a limp. 
Yeah. Just point that out. She's not well. Nah, she's 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 sick. Because Veronica says that she's been discharging blood for 12 years because of a mm-hmm. rare disease. And I'm like, what's that mean? And then I had to Google and I learned some things, Scott. Oh my. Teach us a wise one. No, I'm just kidding. Little kids that might be listening to this show, go ahead, pause it, and ask your parents to explain what we're talking about. (laughs) Anyways, this discharge is why she is unmarried, and her parents view her as ritually unclean. Veronica even warns Eden not to touch the blood or the water, or, according to the Old Testament law, Eden wouldn't be able to touch Peter for seven days, and then immediately Eden just basically jumps in the water. She's like, no worries there. I wasn't planning on touching them for at least seven days. Eden, Mm -hmm. girl, snap, snap. Anywho, Veronica then tells Eden that she spent all her money on doctors and there's no hope for a cure with medicine. Eden wants them to know how she makes it with no hope. And Veronica says that she has hope, just not in doctors. Wonder what's going to happen. Next scene. Secretary Jairus tells Rabbi Yusuf that his daughter's sick, and the doctors think it's because she came in contact with the feculence-filled water. Mm. Further, any woman who came into contact with the crap-crammed water while on their period will suffer severe medical issues. (laughs) What? I don't know if this is real. Why'd we have to go down this route, Jenkins? Ugh. Why, Jenkins? Why? So Jairus tells Yusuf to gather every able-bodied student and go and bring as much clean water as possible into the city. Jairus also admits to being frightened and asks Yusuf if he's being punished for believing in Jesus. And Yusuf is like, Maybe. Next scene. Next Jairus' report on the Sermon on the Mount arrives in Jerusalem, and Rabbi Shmuel asks the Sanhedrin to pass stronger laws against false teaching and invoking messianic titles. If anyone is accused of being a false teacher, according to this new law, they're going to be dragged in front of the Jewish Supreme Court, where the high priest alone will pass judgment. And the law passes as an edict. And Shmuel's like, great, let's go get him. All right, let's go get Jesus. I'm done. Woo, we did it. But Put, put Jerusalem first. Make, America, make Jerusalem great again. But now, he's told to pump the brakes because he has to wait until the edict becomes a law. Oh, okay. Don't Next forget, scene. right now, they need to build back better because they've got the sewage right. problem. Right. Late at night, Peter and Eden are lying in bed awake, not touching each other. Veronica, meanwhile, is lugging her laundry bags through the city. <clears throat> And she delivers some laundry to a man who notices that she has blood pulling onto her sandal. And he's super mad. Because now he's unclean until sundown. Which, to be fair, depending on whether the sun is rising or just about to set, is either about 12 hours away or 15 minutes away. So it's Mm -hmm. totally understandable why he's, he's mad. So he does what I think all of us would have done in this situation. He shoves his laundry back at her and shouts, I'm clean! 
The next day, Peter finally confronts Eden and says, look, I know it's not your time. This isn't, I'm not even joking. I know there's been a lot of period talk, but this is, I, this is so close to the actual quote. It's not even funny. Peter confronts Eden about her attitude and says, look, I know it's not your time of the month, so clearly something real is bothering you. How about you just cut out the malarkey and tell me what's up? Here, here. What is... No, not here, here. There was a shiver that ran down my spine when I watched this episode. I was afraid that all the wives everywhere, within like a 30-mile vicinity's ears perked up. I was like, there's a man about to be killed. <laughs> Somebody's about to die. But Peter continues. He's like, what have I done? And Eden says... It's not... It's uh, I. It, this makes me mad, too. Women, listen up. I just scolded Peter for his ignorance. Let's take it to the other side of the sexual fence. You mean you want to scold the women for their ignorance? Is that what you're saying, Zach? Yeah. Because he's like, what have I done to make you mad? And Eden says that it's something he hasn't done. And then Peter says, well, tell me what I haven't done. And then Eden says the most woman thing in the entire world. I shouldn't have to tell you what you haven't done. <laughs> you should just know. That's... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that's dumb. And I, I, I hate that so much. If I'm mad at Scott, I should just go to Scott and be like, Hey, Scott, you did something that ticked me off. And then Scott would go, Well, I didn't realize I even did that. I'm sorry. Or Scott would be like, Well, I did that or, because of this. And then or we'll I did talk it on it purpose. <laughs> and then you know what? We'll either hug or punch or yell. And then within 24 we'll hours, okay. make up and come back. <laughs> this idea, your husband does not know anything. Let me tell you this from one husband to the wives of the world. We are the dumbest creatures on the face of this earth. If you ask us... And that's where, giving credit. If you ask us where our car keys are, nine times out of ten, we don't know. You ask us where our shoes are, no clue. If we can't be held accountable for the things that get us to places and help us walk, what makes you think that we have any idea what we haven't done that has made you mad? Bear us the argument and just tell us why you're mad. Just tell us. And you know what? We'll try to fix it, probably. Unless it's something real dumb. Sometimes women get mad for dumb, dumb things. Yeah, we you should name this episode Women's Rights question mark. Let's talk about women's wrongs. I think I just found the opening line, Scott. <laughs> That's great. I'm just going to cut out that you should call this episode. <laughs> the first thing you're going to hear when you listen to this episode is women's rights? Question mark. Let's talk about women's wrongs. That's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. And That's it's a at good this thing point, no one listens to this. And it's at this point that Jesus arrives with all the apostles and a swarm of people quickly surround Peter's house. And Peter is just not happy that he cannot get a moment of peace. And he actually yells at Jesus and storms out. 
Now, Can you I'll, believe like, that? Part of me is uncomfortable watching this. Yeah. But the other part of me is like, yeah, I could see that happening too. Mm-hmm. Well, we ha- I mean, we have biblically where we, we find Peter. Remember Peter, uh, Jesus, Jesus called Peter Satan, you know, and, and in that, in that passage of scripture, I always felt like Peter was probably yelling at Jesus. That's not so. It's not going to happen to you. Well, it, it, it's uncomfortable to see people get frustrated with Jesus, but people get frustrated with Jesus all the time. It's not right, yeah. but they do. Yeah. So, Peter storms out. And he finds his way to the turd-teeming well. When Gaius arrives, because... Why not? It's now a local hangout. Right. You know what? That's Whenever I smell raw sewage, I go, I'm going to hang out there later. <laughs> I'm going to call some buddies of mine. <laughs> Hey, I found this place that stinks. You want to come hang out? We'll talk about life and whatnot. We'll talk about Uh, some of our uh, deepest problems. The two sit down and they talk about how they each find Jesus a little exasperating. But Queter, or Queter. Queter? (laughs) But Queter. But Peter quickly backtracks and says, He's just tired and frustrated that they have to travel and find water due to the scat-swarmed watering hole. The scat-swarmed watering hole. After listening to Peter complain, Gaius, like a toddler, looks at him and goes, Hey, could you tell me what an impasse means? And then Peter says, quote, It's like a block in the road that comes about because you don't know what you can't undo that you did in the past. And Gaius looks even more confused because that is a terrible explanation. <laughs> huh? One of the greatest preachers in the Bible, everyone. <laughs> it's a good thing he was inspired. I'm going to put that in my sermon next week. Folks, it seems like we came to an impasse. You know, it's like a block in a road that comes about because you don't know what you can't undo that you did in the past. Uh, I love you, you know, honey. You know what? I got to take it back. I just looked it up in the in the dictionary. Yeah, that's exactly what it says. It word says for it's, word. It's like a block in the road that comes about because you don't know what you can't undo that you did in the past. It's a situation in which no progress is possible, especially because of a mm-hmm. disagreement, a deadlock. Gaius then tries to hand Peter a flask, but Peter refuses because it would be breaking Jewish law to drink out of a dirty Gentile's flask. Gaius then says that Jews be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. I, I wish that could be the episode title. Jews be crazy. Because they make their lives harder with all these rules. And Peter responds that Jesus is going to change some of that. And then Gaius asks, and he's drunk at this point, if Jesus is so great, why is he just miracle this well fixed? Why don't you ask him that, Peter? And Peter's like, I'm not going to ask him that because me and Jesus aren't talking right now. I Basically, I'm mad. The scene it is down. a good question by Gaius, though. Yeah, it is. Basically, the scene boils down to Gaius and Peter finding out they have a lot in common. 
They both don't want to talk to their bosses. Gaius does go further to warn that if Quintus finds out Jesus is back in town, there's going to be trouble. But then I go, Gaius, if Quintus doesn't know that all these people who are showing up and talk about nothing but Jesus are here because Jesus is in the vicinity, if Quintus hasn't put two, two together, he's dumber than he looks. And that means he's real dumb. Dumb. Glad to have you back, Scott. You're welcome. I'm still stuck on Queter. So Queter and Pius. Right. They both don't want to talk about their or want to talk to their bosses. They're both confused and annoyed by Matthew. But guys does tell Peter that Matthew will grow on him. He just gives Matthew a chip. Peter just gives Matthew a chance. Hey, there's a, there's heartbroken love there right. with Gaius. They both can tie nautical knots. They're basically the same person. Mm-hmm. But Gaius advises Peter to go home and lay low. But Peter doesn't want to go home right now because he's mad. So Gaius then has an idea. They could, they could team up together and fix the fart biscuit filled well together. <laughs> you just got all the names tonight, don't you? And Peter reluctantly agrees. Okay, this is the dumbest thing in the world. I'm a big advocate. I'm a big advocate for the fact that marriage is a sacred bond between a husband and a wife that should not be broken mm-hmm. by anything other than adultery. But I also think that if you're in an abusive relationship, that I don't think you can get divorced, but I think you can, you know, move away from the person that's hurting you. Mm-hmm. If your marriage is so bad that you would rather dig around in raw sewage than go home, I think you probably should go on like a, a month-long camping trip and reevaluate some things. <laughs> now, hold up. Have, have, you, have you ever been so angry at the wife that, okay, I need two hours or three hours or four hours. I just can't go back. Yeah. Yep. But if someone came up to me and said, look, you can, in those moments, mad at my wife, I need a a moment and says, Hey, you can stay away from home, but you're going to have to play with this turd and then tries to hand me a piece of human feces. Uh huh. I'm I'm probably going to go home. I'm going to probably swallow my pride and go home. Here's a question. You're going to get handed a glove. No, there's no gloves. This is first century Jerusalem. No there's no gloves. Yeah. You have you ever been so mad at your wife that I could hand you a big old human turd and say, look, you can stay here, but you need to squish this around like Play-Doh. That you wouldn't go home. Been pretty angry before, my friend. No, I have too, but not that angry. Not that angry. Hey, you have to mm. jump. You have to jump in this leech bed if you want to stay here. Mm. Yeah, I can't. You know, human? Nah, can't do the human. Right. Maybe. Not. Maybe if it was cow, I could. This you is know? A, this is a terrible idea. The guy's just like, "Hey, I got. Why don't we dig in this poop?" And the Peter's like, "You know, I think you're onto something." You might be right. 
So they both decide... Get this uh, fixed. They both decide that they're just going to play in some poop tomorrow together, like good old friends do. And then they uh, they leave. So Peter's already going home. Where's Peter yep. going? He's going back home. Not only is Peter going back home when he didn't want to, but he also has to now fix a, a poop well. Fix, fix the sewage system. Then before Gaius leaves, he gives the apostles some advice to deal with wife problems. And I <laughs> nearly vomited in my mouth and turned the show off and burned my computer. He said, learn five words. You are right. I'm sorry. That might work if your wife isn't an insane person who is mad at you about something that you haven't done but won't tell you what it is. You're right. I haven't done something. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, why? What are you sorry for? I still don't know. Oh, so you didn't learn anything, did you? But, you know, I just laughed and laughed at that because it's, it's the most you, original. You got a little angst and animosity tonight, Zach. That's the most original line I've ever heard. How did Jenkins come up with that? The whole the whole period, the whole period play got you upset. No, I get upset because that's the one thing that makes the show slightly entertaining. If I'm just sitting here like Ben Stein reading through a boring, uh, a boring synopsis. It's not gonna work. We need a little. We need a little angst, little energy, a little poop. The last scene of the episode, we see Jairus's wife slowly going up the stairs to check on their daughter, and she opens the door with a creak, and she looks in. And cut to black as she goes, <laughs> I don't know why, but I've got a sneaking suspicion. She's dead. Jairus's daughter is dead. I do too. I think that water brimming with butt nuggets killed that girl. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, your drinking water shouldn't be chunky. IMDb has three reviews from users on there. The first review says, One star. I feel in a lot of ways this is starting to get off track. No. Really? (laughs) I thought this was the most streamlined retelling of the Bible ever. Mark spent three chapters talking about the olive oil business that Zebedee started? Yeah, this this was not a good episode. I understand the filler and and side stories, but not to this level. The level it's gotten to makes it very hard to stay happy. I'm hoping, like all TV series, this is simply a couple episodes of filler. But I want to go back and start with Jesus again. (laughs) not interested in Peter's marriage woes or selling new olive oil. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing about that is important, and it does little to keep the story alive. Let's hope Dallas Jenkins' head hasn't gotten too big to keep to simple stories of the one who came and saved the world. In some ways, I think his head has gotten bigger. 
See, and when when we got started in this show, you, you're not into it too far when you realize where it's going. I mean, I'm I am anticipating great things out of next next week's episode because I think it's going to be fantastic. But you're going to be uh, wrong because it's the, all about Zebedee entering an olive oil competition. I tell you what, if that is if that is <laughs> the entire episode next week, we're done. We're going back to mash. <laughs> Absolutely not. If that's the episode next week, I'm going to love it. Oh, but I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a good episode. And it just kept dragging on and on and on and on. And, you know, next week, I, I think we'll see good stuff. I don't know. Scott, are you Grace H. Tehrani on IMDb? Because am wrote, I Grace H. It's a name. He wrote, montage okay. was beautifully done, but a terrible writing choice. I really didn't enjoy this episode, in all honesty. This season all around has been quite weak, but this one was the worst by far, in my opinion. The real offender was the 2 by 2 Disciple mission being, ellipses, a montage. One of the absolute laziest writing techniques. I was absolutely furious. This show is about the Disciples, and they are skipped over, er, and they skipped over all of their growth, and they barely had a chance to discuss their growth. The scene I disliked the most was when they were talking about the mission, and Nathaniel asked little James, quote, What happened to Big James to turn him into this? And as he is responding, we fade away to Simon and Eden bickering. <coughs> they faded out. <coughs> that really doesn't help, Scott. You might as well just let it rip. I know. Mm. And as okay. he's responding, we fade away to Simon and Eden bickering. They faded out on a conversation we actually wanted to hear. It didn't help that I was very disengaged in Simon and Eden. To me, marriage trouble is one of the most boring subjects. And it took up most of the episode at the expense of the disciples' growth. Most of these disciples, like Judas, are brand new to the group. And now they're casting out demons and healing the sick. That does things to a person. that's 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 been the best part of the show right there all night yeah thanks to a person so yeah i was very disappointed oh my goodness not the best episode not the worst but i mean you could say that about every one of our episodes scott no i was talking about the chosen oh 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 our episode our episodes suck oh oh Oh. Yeah, just this is this is one of those just a lot of setup episodes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Rotten Righteous Podcast. Remember, if you know Andy Robinson, let him know. Let him know this episode Would exists. Stop saying just that. It, just send it to him. Just send it to him so he knows what a couple of his alumni are up to. Uh, why do you why do you want him to listen to this? You don't know because I think it's funny that you get so uncomfortable about it. Oh, it's man. Is no. it is this a bad time to say that this podcast was sponsored by West Virginia School of Preaching? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> right. Oh, hey, hey, Zach. What? Tell me a joke. Can I finish Tell our? Me a joke. Can I finish our call to action, please? Oh, I didn't realize who we calling. Anyways, tell Andy 
And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so you can get all the episodes right when they drop. You sure aren't going to want to want to miss one of these bad boys because they're always they're always just just so good. Yep. And uh, <laughs> if you're listening to us on iTunes or uh, that's not a thing, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us five stars. Just do it. Just do it. Stop being a stop being stop it. Stop arguing. Stop. Just, just do it. Uh, if you haven't already, go over to facebook.com slash rotten or righteous and uh, give us a like there. Hey, okay. Scott. Yeah, Zach. The other day, me and Kelsey went to this fancy restaurant and they had a rotisserie chicken that looked really good. And I asked mm. the waiter, I asked the waiter, hey, bud, how do you prepare your chicken? And uh, the waiter looked at me and said, well, nothing special. We just tell them they're going to die. <laughs> No counseling, no grief management. Oh, man. Oh, oh, hey, Uh, good night, everybody. (laughs) A patient told the surgeon he couldn't feel his legs. The surgeon replied, I know, I just amputated. joke it's good a patient told the surgeon he couldn't feel his legs and the surgeon replied i know i amputated your arms (laughs) (laughs) that's horrible You're listening to Watch It or Watch It. Your dad can be the my dad. <laughs>